You know, we know this to be true, right? When we were a kid, we want everything our way. But then when we start to grow up, we kind of realize that, you know, we can't have everything our way. Can we? I don't know, maybe some of us never grow up. <laughs> and so that's part of the commitment, isn't it? Is to serve that maybe everything is not going to be the way I want it or the way I like. But we still need to serve, right? We still need to do the work of the ministry. My point is this, people. Ministering is not easy. The Lord never said it would be. But that's the other half of the equation, isn't it? And so, you know, perhaps sometimes we do get tired. I'm not saying it's not right to rest. But sometimes, you know, we do get tired, but then we, we still need to press on. And I think there's going to be a counting of this, that the works will follow us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast of Calvary Chapel Echo Park here in Los Angeles, California. We are a small fellowship of diverse believers who want to serve our Lord and do His will. You can find out more about our fellowship at ccechopart.com. Join us for our live stream on Sunday in the New Testament and Wednesday evenings in the Old Testament. Now let's get into the Word of God in our weekly podcast. The teaching is from Pastor David Higa and will be the study of the revelation of Jesus Christ and the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Verse 7. Saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. Verse 8, and another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. That great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And then a third angel followed them, verse 9, saying, with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Verse 11, And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Verse 14, And then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and on the earth was, and the earth was reaped. Verse 17, And then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, <clears throat> and he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud cry to him 
who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. Verse 19. <clears throat> and so the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city. And blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. That would be about 180 miles. Can you imagine how long? Oftentimes we think of the gospel of grace, right? Or the gospel of salvation. Or the gospel of peace. No, it, it is that. But it, it really is a gospel of judgment as well. Because what it's saying is that unless you receive Jesus Christ by faith, judgment awaits you. And they're right at the end. And that's what we see described right here in verses 6 through 13. That the gospel is going out. There's going to be one last chance for people to repent and turn to Jesus Christ as Lord. Before the seven bowls of judgment come. And before the judgment of Armageddon. So the time is, is at hand. Okay. So verse 6. Notice it says then. Remember in verse 1. Then. Remember, we can, we're going to look in verse 14. It says, then. So you can see, then, then, then. So these things really do kind of work together. It says, then I saw another angel, verse 6, flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. So it's an everlasting gospel, right? It continues on even to this point. And that gospel, gospel literally means good news. And the good news is this, even though it's in the context of judgment, as we're going to see in verse 7, the good news is this, you don't have to experience eternal judgment. All you have to do is what? Is to repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord. And that's the good news. But I want you to note the context, verse 7, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. All right, so... This gospel is really preaching a gospel of judgment in the sense that judgment is going to come unless you repent. Now what kind of judgment is going to come? Well, it's described right here later in our passage when it talks about, in verse 10 and 11, when it talks about fire and brimstone. What's he referring to? He's referring to Gehenna. You see, unless these ones repent... And call upon the name of Jesus. This gospel. Is going to turn into judgment. It's only good news if you repent and turn to Jesus. But if you don't. There's eternal damnation. And that's what's being described here. But I want you to note this. In these days. In these last days. There's still mercy going out. Now. Let me ask you this. Do you think many are going to receive? Probably not. Huh? Probably so many are at the point of no return. But I have to underscore this. I don't think God does anything in a superfluous way. What I mean by that. He doesn't just do it to do it, right? There's a purpose in doing it. And that purpose is there must be some at this point that are going to turn and call upon the name of the Lord. He wouldn't just do this, right? Send out these angels to preach the gospel if there's nobody that's going to receive it. And we note this. Remember we... we, we cross-references specifically to Matthew chapter 13. Remember the parable of the dragnet? At the end of the age, right, the dragnet comes in and the sense is when that last fish is taken to the net, then the end will occur. Remember we noted this, we referred to this often. You know, Jesus is not going to 
come by looking at a calendar. Now it involves a calendar when he comes, but he's not looking at that calendar saying, well, on this year, on this month, on this week, on this day, on this hour, and this minute, I'm going to come. No, he's looking at when that last person that's predestined to come into that net, then then will come. Then you can look on the calendar. That's the sense here, right? And so I want you to, want you to note this, right? That this is the gospel of mercy. The mercy is going out because what? There's still ones that have come to repentance. Now, I will just share with you, most of them are past the point of no return. And this is what you're going to see in the bowls of judgment. But just that the gospel is going out through these angels, there's still some. And it speaks of God's mercy, okay? But judgment is right at hand. They're at the end, okay? Now, verse 8 says, And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So this kind of points to the end. What do we see the same verbiage? Babylon has fallen. Babylon has fallen. Babylon is a picture of the world. We have spiritual Babylon, Revelation 17. We referred to last week. Remember all the false religions, the woman that rides the beast, right? And then the woman basically is, is killed by the beast. And then what? They begin to worship the beast, the world. Remember we looked at that spiritual Babylon, Revelation 7. 17. But then there's also what? Political and economic Babylon, Revelation 18. And so we see the specific judgment on uh, spiritual Babylon and uh, political and economic Babylon, Revelation 18. In Revelation 18, we see that same verbiage. If you go to Revelation chapter 18, verse 2, John records this, And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons. And so we see that similar verbiage here. So this is what Revelation 14 is taking us to the end, right? When the world is judged. It says, at this point, right, the gospel is going to go out one last time. But then final judgment is going to come. And he be begins to describe this final judgment, okay? The gospel is going out. But it's just before this final judgment is going to come. And so Babylon has fallen. Babylon has fallen. That great city. Because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Verse 9. And then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. And he goes on to describe this in the latter part of verse 10. Remember the... Beast out of the earth, he's the one that causes people to worship what? The beast out of the sea. How does he do that? He has people, as this world, take a mark on their hands, right? Or on their forehead. And it's going to be the number 666. And so, I don't know exactly what that is, but there's going to be some kind of reference to 666. It's the number of man. And everyone that takes that mark is going to be able to barter and to buy things in this world. And so what it records is anybody that does that basically is going to be destined to what? To Gehenna. It's saying that you're siding with the world and the prince of the power of the world, the God of this world. You're siding with Satan and Antichrist and you haven't made a commitment to Jesus Christ. That's what this is describing. If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives the mark on his forehead or on his hand, what awaits for them is eternal judgment. And so what's the gospel? What's the goodness? Is you do not have to go this route. 
you can repent and receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Now at that time, many would be killed for doing that. But what is going to be described, that is very little compared to what? Being in Gehenna for eternity. And this is what he describes, right? And so by taking the mark of the beast, it's pledging your alliance to the beast or to Antichrist. And you got to tell you people, when you look at what's gone on, even today, boy, you can see the fingerprint of that, right? We're right there. Matter of fact, two, two people in this fellowship have talked to me already. One, they wanted to do something at a restaurant. And they couldn't do it at a restaurant. You know why? The restaurant said, hey, if you want to do something at this restaurant, you got to show proof of a vaccine. So they didn't do it. And then another one texted me in our fellowship. She went to go shopping. I'm not going to tell you where. She went to go shopping. And they didn't let her in until she showed proof of the vaccine. This is right here. I'll tell you in the city. It's in Igorok. I live in Igorok. I was shocked. They did not let her in unless she showed proof. I'll tell you what. It's in a shopping mall. In Igorok. I don't need to tell you the store. Boy, that's, that's right down. They won't let her in unless she shows proof of it. So, we're not there yet, people. But you can see how society, and especially L.A. County, can get to this place to make these type of decisions, right? So that we can't go shopping to buy food unless we have some kind of, some kind of number that we refer to. So it's interesting the times that we live in, right? So this, this tells us that, that, that it can happen. It can start to happen very quickly. Now, I want you to note this, that anybody that takes this mark that's described here, right? They're going to be coupling themselves, right? With the God of this world. And what is being described, they're going to receive eternal condemnation from that. So think about that. It's been said, if you can't make a stand for Jesus Christ in this life, you're certainly not going to be able to take a stand for Jesus Christ in the tribulation life, huh? Think about it. Verse 10, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. Now he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. This is a reference to Gehenna where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus spoke about this at length. Anytime you see Jesus saying where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth where the worm doesn't die he's referring to Gehenna. Gehenna is a place where people will receive eternal bodies to be tormented and burned in Gehenna forever and ever. It's a body that won't die. And so this is what he's describing. I want you to note this this little bit of insight here. It says, He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. It's interesting. I want to read you a comment. This is by David Guzik, and he observes this text, and he has an interesting way to um, 
to comment on it. He says this. He says, this shows that God is not absent from hell. Why? Because God is omnipresent. You ever heard that term? He's everywhere at all times. This shows that God is not absent from hell. He is there in all his holiness and righteousness. And that is the key. The Lord is there in holiness and righteousness. And I would submit to you, that is the fire. It's like when you, you read, remember when Moses, when he ascended up there at Mount Sinai, what happened? Remember? His face got burned. <laughs> and he's a pretty good guy. And God really veiled himself in, 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 in a certain manner that, there. But his face was all burned. Why? Because the holiness of God burned it. You see what's causing the burning in Gehenna? It's the holiness of God. And they have an eternal body that's filled with sin. So they're going to burn. Now, why aren't we going to burn? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He removes sin, and so we receive an eternal body without sin. And so we can be fully in the presence of the Lord, in His holiness and righteousness. But these ones, God's holiness is going to be in hell. And that's, I believe that's the burning. Their bodies of sin, eternal bodies, it's going to burn. And so Guzik writes that those who are in hell will wish God were absent. Why? Because if God were absent, the holiness wouldn't be there to burn them. But he will not be. It is wrong to say that hell will be devoid of the presence of God, but it will be devoid of his love and his holiness. I mean, yeah, devoid of his love. The presence of Jesus will be there. His holiness will be there. But only the presence of his holy justice and wrath against sin. You see, what he's describing is that it's the purity of God that's in hell that causes the burning. And, and we know this to be true, right? We cannot stand in the presence of God unless something is done with our sin. All these ones receiving eternal bodies at the great white throne judgment, they haven't been able to do anything with their sin. And so sin in the presence of God will be burned. And that's really the, the description of Gehenna there. And so it's kind of an interesting verse to ponder, right? He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Now verse 11, And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast in his image, and, wherever, and whoever receives the mark of his name. And so verse 12 says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Verse 13. And then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. And so I want you to note this. It would be better in this time that you die in faith than you live with the mark of the beast. That's what he's saying. They say they're going to, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. It will be better that you breathe your last year being faithful to the Lord than you receive an eternal body and to be burning in Gehenna forever and ever. That's the description. Now I want to draw your attention to one last detail here. Notice at the end of verse 13. 
It says, Yes, says the, Lord, the Spirit, that they, these are the ones that die in the Lord, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. What does it mean, their works follow them? Does that mean we're saved by works? Can't be, right? The only thing we're saved by is the work of the cross of Calvary. Imputed righteousness. So what does it mean that their works follow them? This is another comment I want to read from David Guzik. He writes this. He says, The patient endurance and work of these saints is remembered in heaven. Do you know that the works that you do for the Lord are going to be remembered in heaven? He goes on to say, Our work for the Lord goes with us into heaven, giving dignity and significance to all work here below. What he's describing, I think John is describing in verse 13, is that, you know, at the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ, we've talked about this, right? This is not the great white throne judgment. It's the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ. All those that are part of the faith, they're going to come through what? The refiner's fire, and the wood, hay, and stuff is going to burn, but then we're going to receive our rewards. Rewards for what? The things that we've done here in this life with what the Lord has given to us. That's what's being described. You can look at these passages the great at the, um, at the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ. We're going to receive our crowns there, right? And so all the things that you've done for the Lord in this life, you're going to be rewarded for. It doesn't save you. Only the blood of Jesus Christ saves you. That's why we're not saved by our works. But our works do have a bearing on our rewards. And this is what's being referred to. That it says in verse 13 here, it says that, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Their works follow them. You know, I started to think about this and really there's so much application for us today, right? You know, to be saved is a great thing. We're saved by what? Not by our works, by the work of Jesus Christ. But let me ask you this. If you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, what have you done with it? I'm saved, and so you know what? I'm just going to just live for myself now. You know, what's our responsibility once we've been saved? Is it, is it about me now, or is it about the Lord? You know, that's really what's being addressed here. You know, when we go and see the Lord face to face, we're going to give an accounting of the things that we've done for the Lord because we are saved by grace. You see, you've heard me say this oftentimes, really, to be saved, salvation is a good thing. But that's only half the equation. Now that you've been saved, what are you going to do with your salvation? Are you going to just live for yourself? Heaven forbid. And so the application for us, I think, is very, very poignant. What are we doing with what the Lord has done for us? Are we serving? That's the question. Are we serving the Lord and are we serving, serving others? You know, I've got to tell you, sometimes it's hard to serve others, right? You ever come to this place where, well, well you know, Lord, maybe next week or maybe next month. You know, I'm kind of tired today, Lord. You know, I have my own problems. You know, we kind of start to think that. I say that all the time. When there's a need. Well, Lord, I'm tired, you know. I don't feel like responding. You know, we begin to what? Think about ourselves so often, right? But, you know, really this is what this is addressing here. You know, and I think so often, and hopefully people, well, I was going to say, hopefully people don't take this the wrong way, but hopefully they do maybe. 
And you think about it. When you call yourself a Christian, when you kind of start to serve at a church, are you serving? You know, I think so often, right, we go to church because of what everybody can do for me. But is that serving? And when the church isn't doing enough for me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find another church. And then I'm going to find another church. The question is, though, are you serving at that church? Because it's so easy, right? To just keep on going to different churches. But really, that's really where the rubber meets the road. Am I committed to serving? And this is what I believe when it says that the works follow them, right? Are we committed? Are we plugged in? Are we serving? You know, I was thinking about this, that really it, it does... It does take maturity. It takes growing up. Thanks again for joining us on our podcast of Calvary Chapel, Echo Park. We hope and pray that you have been blessed by the teaching and join us again as we continue to study the Word of God. Once again, you can always visit us on our homepage at ccechopark.com for more information and teachings from Pastor David. To God be the glory. 